Welcome to the Marketing Meetup Podcast. My name is Joe Glover. Thank you so much for listening in today. Today we've got a real treat for you. We've got Sarah Warby, who is the Chief Customer Officer of Nando's, uh, which I think we can all agree is a pretty cool job title. Sarah's great. She has uh, an amazing dry wit, um, but she's also a clear thinker. She's someone who comes to pretty much anything, any experience that I've ever had with her, certainly, uh, with a, a sense of clarity that is really inspiring, but also cuts through all the fuss. And that's really important because today's episode is all about happiness and how happiness breeds success, how you can find it, how you can learn to know yourself and how you can learn to love yourself and how you can sort of turn all of that into a more successful outlook, but also one that sort of breeds a, a real lifetime of just sort of feeling better (laughs) I don't know how else to explain it I know that when I listen to Sarah whether it was yesterday or the previous couple of times I've heard her speak before I've always come away feeling happier healthier more clear um, just a bit of a better person she's one of those people who have got that gift this episode before I hand over to Sarah uh, I, I just wanted to say a big thank you to Brand Recruitment who are the sponsors of this week's episode uh, Brand Recruitment are a recruitment agency based in Cambridge. They do a phenomenal work and they're doing their best to give recruitment a good name. I know on a personal level, every time I speak with every one of the people who work at Brand Recruitment, I just observe a bunch of human beings who really, really care. So whether you're looking for a job or whether you're looking to hire, then certainly take the time to check out Brand Recruitment. And while you're at it, there's also another option, which is you can head to our jobs board, which is the marketingmeetupjobs.com and list your roles there. Uh, There's a mad competitive market out there right now, so uh, every opportunity to uh, get in front of the right people seems like a good one to take. So, I really hope you enjoy this episode with Sarah. It was absolutely fantastic. It's one of those big names, but also combined with a human being who just cares and has a bunch of really great insights to share. So, enjoy. The next voice you will hear will be Sarah's. Nonetheless, hello, lovely to see you all, um, and nice to be here. Thanks for having me, Joe. Um, and hello, Gareth. Let's have a cup of tea sometime. Um, so, uh, Gareth, uh, in his little bit of blurb that he wrote about me, he talked about my career, which is not something I tend to sort of bang on about, um, but it got me thinking about where to start on this conversation, right? Because we talked about is the choices that we make in life. And look, we are all, the only people responsible for our careers and our success is us. So I thought that might be quite an interesting place to start. So careers, you know, used to be like that, roughly. I don't know what the y-axis is. I don't have a sort of salary or um, uh fancy sounding job title it's not it's more of a sort of conceptual but it was sort of that like that wasn't it it was all sort of quite straight line and quite predetermined um and now they're like that uh which i think is a good thing i think it's a brilliant thing and who wants to get on a conveyor belt and then basically have a sort of predetermined direction um but you know each of those little blobs on my not very well drawn uh powerpoint is you know, is a is a is a choice, is a decision, is a move that we make. And I think on the left hand side they were fairly predetermined for us, you know, and now on the right hand side, oh they're not. So my version of this, you know, in brand terms, is that right? I went to from Unilever to Leo Burnett to Heineken, Sainsbury's type job. 
to love honey and now I work at Nando's, but I also have a second job because I'm a non-exec director at Money Supermarket as well, which is amazing. Um, across the bottom, you can see I did a few other jobs too. Um, but largely, these are the choices we make in life. So if I plotted that on with some fancy job titles, some less fancy job titles, if I sort of tried to apply my size of job, size of how it sounded, so uh, what I got paid, you know, what would campaign call it? The power 100, whatever that bollocks means. If I plotted it like that, that orange one would be me now. Um, you know, I went up, then I went along, then I went up, then I went up and down. Um, and I had some, you know, I was a CEO, which probably sounds quite important. And now arguably with the size of team, size of budget, size of, you know, it's only a UK and Ireland job. That one down the bottom there, not bottom, you know, yeah, why am I pointing? Uh, that's where I am now, but I'm literally the happiest I've ever been. So you tell me what the scale should be. And that's what I think is important about the choices we make. So some stuff that I think is important, the stuff that I believe in is this. I think it's just really simple, right? If I do these five things, largely I, I know it'll work out all right. By the way, I can't see the chat at the same time as doing this so you're going to have to keep uh, and not that I'm not technologically capable of uh, probably not but um, I'm trying not to otherwise I'll get distracted by your interesting comments so uh, Joe you're going to have to keep us straight on that and um, so I think that these these sort of five things are quite important I think it is quite important to have a strategy have a plan see it through and I am a complete devotee to Ritson's approach to strategy which is diagnosis strategy tactics repeat that is how I I mean, largely, I'm trying to do diagnosis, strategy, tactics at the same time. All, yeah, no, not at the same time. In continuous cycle, all the time. You know, if you don't start with diagnosis, what what are you doing? If you don't consciously move from strategy to tactics, you get confused, and marketers particularly tend to just go to tactics because tactics are fun. Um, so uh, that's what I mean. Have a strategy, see it through. Um, you know, yes, of course, it is all about customers. The definition of marketing really, isn't it? It's working out, anticipating what people will want and need and pay money for and then create demand for it. So if you're not obsessing about understanding a customer better than someone else, probably not going to do such a good job of that. I firmly believe that no one gets up in the morning to do a shit job. Um, and therefore, if someone's not doing the thing that you hoped they'd do, there's probably a reason. Hmm? Might be worth finding out uh, whether that's an agency or someone you work with or for or within your team. So it doesn't matter. You know, if something's not going well, let's find out why uh, and uh, and learn together how we can make it better. It might just be that we haven't communicated. It might just be that they're too worried to tell you why they can't do something. Who knows? Uh, but no one. Let's not assume the crap. Um, I, I also believe that if you, you know, the day you stop learning is the day you start slightly calcifying on the inside. Um, and that drives quite a lot of the choices I've made, which we can talk about if you're interested. And then here's the one that I want to unpack today, being happy. This is the thing that I think is, uh, is kind of the key. So let's just talk about that for a little bit. So um, I think there are a couple of, well, three things that are sort of the key to thinking about happiness. I think you've got to know who you are. I think you've got to be really happy with that, which I and I mean love. Love that person. It's, you know, love's not a word we often use in business circles, but you should use it more often. 
Oh, we use it in brand love, but that's a metric on some shitty tracker. Uh, that's not what I mean. I think you've got to love who you are. And then I say just, just do that as much as you can every day. Sounds simple. It can be simple. Can get a bit lost in the hurly-burly of everything else. So when I say know who you are, um, I mean, I mean, if I turned off mute and, blah, blah, and said, you know, picked on someone, and the only person whose name I know is Gareth, so sorry, Gareth. Uh, yeah, but Gareth, what is your super strength? What do you bring to the world? That yeah, what are you best at? Whoever I ask, I imagine I'd get a variety of responses. I'd get some people at one end of the spectrum going, "Oh yeah, I'm glad you asked me. Get in. Here I go. I know the answer. I've been really thinking about this." And I'd have other people going, "Oh, don't ask me. Don't ask me. Don't ask me." Because I haven't thought about it, and that's totally fine. I didn't get up, you know. I didn't start thinking about this stuff when I was. Uh, I'm 50 now, right? So crumbs. I've been thinking about this for a long time but I still didn't start doing it until I was about 30. Um, so I don't expect everyone to have the answer, but I would encourage you to find out and to go through that sort of exploration of thinking about, well, what is it that, that I'm really great at and that floats my boat? You know, the, the questions you can start to ask yourself is, what, where is it that I have an amazing impact? Or, and that people go, oh, how do you do that? What people come to me for? Which bits do you have a gravitational pull? And which are the bits that you really go, that was a good day? So mine, as an example, you know, when I say super strengths and, and you know, the thing that makes you, you, you can't have loads. I was in a thing once and someone asked the question and it was a genuine and sincere question. I'm not mocking the question, but I want to use it as, a, um, as an example. Someone said, I think my super strength is that I'm quite a jack of all trades. I can turn my hand to anything. And I said, brilliant. It's kind of cheating. You can't say my super strength is being quite good at everything. And it might be true that you're quite good at everything, but come on, let's find a spike. So my spike, and I deliberately write it in pink sparkles, not just to fit in with your positively lovely brand. Is, and I haven't got the words, I can read them now, but they're, they're not the words that, you know, I don't sort of trot this out like a, a thing that I've had tattooed on my eyelids. But, but this is what I try to do every day, right? I just want the impact. I want to, and if I was standing up, I'd be kind of skipping around going like this. I just want everything to be a bit better because I was there. That's all, right? I want people, and, and it's through people. It's not just like I want the garden to look nice and my garden looks shit, but I want the, I was looking at it. Um, I want people to have just have stretched themselves a bit more and have laughed a bit more and have found stuff out about themselves and have just gone, oh, I didn't know I had that in me. And just been proud of themselves, right? That is what I do best. I get the best out of other people. I'm not the best at the world at it. It's the thing that I do best. And it's the thing that I love to do. So my best days are the ones where I come back having, you know, having spent a day with my team or whoever. And having done a little bit of this, a little bit of sprinkling, whatever that sprinkling is, that's what I do best. So I would encourage you to work out what's your version of this. By the way, the, the reason I wrote it in pink is because I had to get over myself. I spent most of my career being the only woman in a room, and sort of, and that um, that has an interesting impact on you. Um, and also being, you know, the crayons department, um, and you have to get over that too. So we might, we might come back to that in a minute. Um, that's why I wrote it in pink sparkles. Um, Oh, by the way, at this point, I'd normally do a, a joke about what I wear. Um, I'm sorry I'm in my gym kit. I've, I have put my gym kit on today because I'm 
desperately keen that at some point in the day I will find a spare 45 minutes and I'll go off and get sweaty and then I'll come back. It hasn't happened yet. Um, right, so how do you find your version of this? Let's get practical. So I would say that, that you've got a couple of things to do. One is the breakfast of champions. Feedback, right? That's the thing. Go and get yourself some feedback. Now, feedback is a weird old thing. I could do a whole thing on feedback. It's probably my favourite topic in the, the, in the, in the world uh, because we're all so shit at it. But if we were good at it, wouldn't the world be a better place? And if you, every HR people team course I've ever been on about feedback talks about how you give feedback and it gives you those models, you know, the Johari window and the shit sandwich and whatever the other ones are. I'm sure that's not an official one. You know what I mean? Um, well, I think, wouldn't it be better? if we all focused on being really good at getting and hearing feedback. And then it wouldn't matter if the giving was a bit clumsy. If our ears were better, it wouldn't matter if our mouths were a bit well-intended, but not that precise. So my encouragement to you would be, get into the habit of asking good questions, asking for feedback. Now, on the topic of good questions, this is a terrible question. If, I, if you say to me, have you got any feedback for me? Firstly, it's a terrible question because um, in brackets, you're basically saying, please say no. Um, you know, is there anything? anything? Please tell me I'm fine. And I, that's totally understandable, right? Because feedback is a really, really um, uh, complicated cocktail of some of the fundamental psychological human needs smashing together like tectonic plates, right? It's our it's our desire to learn and grow and development uh, and develop smashing into our need to uh, be loved and valued and appreciated for who we are right now. And they go, and you know what happens when tectonic plates hit, you get a volcano, right? So that's why feedback's hard. But if you take some time to ask people really good questions, it opens things up. If you say to me, have you got any feedback? I'm thinking about what? You know, about, um, about your T-shirt, about your choice of life partner about the presentation you gave yesterday, about the document you wrote. I don't know what, where, where is, the, I don't know what you're really looking for. Whereas if you ask a really narrow, interesting, um, you know, specific question, it opens up the conversation. So um, if you say, uh, you know, what's the, what's the one thing I do that you find really helpful? That's the start of a conversation. What's the one thing I do that gets in, that, that you think you see trips me up? What's the thing I do that, that, that gets in the way of what you're trying to do? Um, maybe even, you know, what, what's, the, what's the thing I do that you think that if I worked at it, I could be world class? Because I think the purpose of feedback and uh, development plans, everything starts with a really good development plan. I'm a big fan of writing a PDP really well. I'm not a fan of writing a load of bollocks and putting it in a drawer. Um, but the, the point about a development plan, you know, is is to know what you're brilliant at and work out how to develop that more. Because whoever you work for, you know, Nando's doesn't hire me for my ability to do pivot tables. So why would I try and get better at them? You know, I can just about do one if I really have to, but I've got loads of friends who could do them really well. Nando's needs me for the things I do well. So the purpose of a development area is only to work on it enough that it's not getting in the way of your strengths and then go like hell and work, work hard on your strengths because your strengths are what make you brilliant and your development areas are only there, or your, your work on your development areas is only do it enough to not hold your brilliance back. I'm not trying to become brilliant at pivot tables. 
you know, I just need to build my leadership skills and my the things that I need to keep to keep working on are, are getting my my big muscles bigger. I'm not trying to grow my little fluffy ones. And then once you've got your feedback, have a look in the mirror and be really honest with yourself. And try not to, you've got to, you've got to uh, not fall into that trap of, well, if I'm good at, it's, and it's back to the, uh, I'm, 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 I'm just really quite good at everything. Um, love the spikes. And the spikes don't mean that you're not good at other things. It's not like if I'm good at A, am I crap at B? It's not like that. It's what's the real spike. So I can still write a strategy. I can still make the odd advert if I'm allowed to. Um, I'm not bad at those. But my spike is the thing that I talked about earlier. And that's quite, and I found that personally, I found that really hard to let go, especially because my spike is written in pink and is a bit intangible. So when I was in a boardroom with, uh, particularly at Sainsbury's, with a bunch of fellas, that strength that I defiantly write in pink sparkles now wouldn't have been particularly valued because what was valued was much more operational and much more um uh delivery focused and you know they'll have their really important big conversations that involve doing lots of complicated mental arithmetic aggressive they'd have a maths off at each other and you know i've got a fucking degree in engineering i'm okay at maths but i'm not going to play that game why what that's not that's not what i'm into so that you've got to be able to to embrace what you're brilliant at and know that 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 kind of means yeah i'm still good at this stuff but i'm not going to try and make everything a spike so once you know that then we're straying into love that right and this is about being happy and being happy in your own skin and i'm not going to do this story for too long because i want to give um a view for questions but um uh, I'm from South Wales. My brother and I were the first people in our family to ever get to a university. And um, and holy fuck, uh, I got a place at Oxford. And that was quite a surprise to everyone. Uh, you know, most of all me. Um, and I go there and I'm like, wow. And by about week five, oh, by the way, I did engineering. Uh, there were 200 of us in the year. Six of us hadn't done further maths. I was one of them. So by week five, I am out of my depth and drowning and by week six you know what it's like you're new somewhere no one knows anyone i have withdrawn i've gone into my little shell and it's not just that i'm not coping very well with the with the course um it's also that i come from my you know my normal school in, in south wales um can't you tell from my very broad welsh accent um but like oxford is one of those places where everyone i mean like wherever you look there were people who were cleverer than me, funnier than me, prettier than me, had taller than me, had nicer hair than me, better fingernails. I mean, like literally fucking everything. You know, and I just went and, and I was completely um, demoralised and deflated. And my best mate came to see me and she was like, she was reading physiotherapy in Cardiff. And she was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You're in that place. You're walking around in a postcard with these incredible people who can teach you, you know, these minds, they're some of the best minds in the world and you are hiding in your room. What the fuck is going on? Amazing, right? Uh, she gave me a proper slap and, um, and that was quite cool. And I, I started to come back out of my shell. 
But what I wish I'd known was that this, right? We think our society has programmed itself such that we believe that success makes us happy. And actually, the brain science, I'm a bit of an amateur brain scientist, never done a practical, fear not. Um, actually, happiness breeds success. It is the other way around, right? So, um, and what's happened in our, in our society because we get trapped in thinking success makes us happy. So, you know, when I get that promotion, I'll be happy. Or I'll wait for the next bonus run and then I'll be happy. You know, when the extension's finished, I'll be happy. When we're married, we'll be happy. When the kids leave home, I'll be happy, you know that's what we do is we push happiness further and further away and eventually it disappears over the cognitive horizon and we are left bereft whereas in fact the way our brains actually work is happy brains are more successful happy brains have been proven to be 31 percent more productive more creative and more useful than even a neutral brain never mind a sad one so i think being happy is quite important not just because i like it and i don't like making people unhappy but because you know back to my my chums at Sainsbury's show me another way you can get a 31 percent productivity gain I can't think of another way other than let's be happy and here's the thing this is the other bit that the scientists have proven we choose how happy we are 90 percent so not 100 percent but 90 percent of our of our happiness in our state and these guys particularly if you're, if you're interested um, the positive psychologist, particularly as a guy called Sean Aker at Stanford, unbelievable work. Or just read his TED, uh, just watch his TED talks if um, if the books don't appeal to you. Unbelievable. The, the experiments they do and the tests—they're so clever. I don't know how they um, how they devise the, yeah, the creativity to make those those uh, experiments. They're awesome. Um, and they've proven that ninety percent of our happiness is how is not stuff that happens to us. It's how we choose to respond. And they've done all these amazing experiments with, you know, lottery winners and landmine victims and all sorts of incredible stuff. We choose how happy we are. We can wire our brains to be happier. And it's important, right? Because happy brains are more successful. Why? Because when happiness happens, this little chum cho shows up, C8H11NO2, which is dopamine. And dopamine doesn't just go, oh, little squirt of happiness. What dopamine does is it kicks off this circle because dopamine also opens up the learning receptors in our brains. So you do something well, you have a squirt of happiness, the learning receptors open up and you learn from it, which means you're more likely to do it well again. And you do something else well, and suddenly we're in this beautiful flywheel of joy. And we can push ourselves into that. It doesn't just happen to us. So here's my top tips. That's all science that I've nicked from someone else. This is more like um, my own uh, meandering experience. But if you want to rewire your brain and get into that happy loop, I would say for 21 days, do these things. I've done it. Um, I'm not always there. I, I'm not like walking around in sort of Mary Poppins land. But um, uh, uh, right now I'm sitting in COVID house. Uh, but nonetheless, try this if you're interested. For 21 days, stop reading the news. I don't read the news. I listen to a little bit. Most of my news I get from Have I Got News For You and Mock The Week. Probably not good sources, but nonetheless, it makes me laugh. But what I mean by stop reading the news, the, they, the longitudinal studies of positive to negative news coverage over the last 50 years have shown just how much the, neg the negative uh, coverage, the cynicism, the violence, the aggression, that is going, violence of language, I don't mean violence, it, is, is on the right. I think we're, we're, we're now over the 30, 70 mark um, and still rising, right? So we're 70 plus percent now is negative. So if that, if, you, if you're a news junkie, you start to believe the world is three quarters negative. It's not. 
I don't read the news. I mean, I know I, I know enough about it to not look like an idiot. And, you know, I know who Joe Biden is. I've heard of Putin. But, you know, largely, I don't get sucked into the news because the agenda isn't isn't healthy for our, our outlook on life. Um, record, Dan, three positive things for which you feel grateful every day. Like, gratitude diaries are a thing now, aren't they? Um, but just all I would say is just do it. And make them proper gratitude, right? You're not allowed to cheat. You're not allowed to write, well, at least the kids didn't burn the shed down. Right? That doesn't count as gratitude. Um, and then this is my favourite. Give one unsolicited piece of praise every day. To, I mean, it, don't limit yourself to one, but don't do like 23 because then you start to become... I did get feedback once when I... Um, uh, Sarah, you can... You, you're doing a bit too much of the praising because it starts to undermine it. You know, don't say well done just for, you know, opening my book um, or whatever. But one well-placed, unsolicited piece of praise every day really works. You get an amazing impact. Try those for 21 days and see if your brain starts to rewire. Cherry on the top, thanks to my friend Kelly for her, um, her tat. Uh, cherry on the top is um, do a bit of exercise. Uh, and if you're into meditation, do that too. And between those three and maybe plus two more things, you will rewire your brain to be more predisposed to happiness and then more likely to get into that circle. Hooray. So, uh, so therefore, I guess what I would say to sum up, right, um, Snoopy uh, was a big thing when I was a kid. And my best mate, Ness, was obsessed with Snoopy. Her bedroom, you'd go for a sleepover at her house. And um, it was slightly weird. It was like, uh, yeah, it was Snoopy everywhere looking at you and occasionally Charlie Brown. Um, but she had a poster, which I have tried, 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 tried to find, like, you know, the vintage poster sites, and I can't find it anywhere. But I will never forget it because I thought it was really weird. I've always been, I mean, even aged eight, I was linguistically pedantic um, because the words said this, the words said the time to be happy is now. And I thought that was weird because that's not how you talk, is it? You say, let's be happy, you know, now's the time to be happy, or you, know, you don't say the time to be happy is now. And it always struck me, but I realized it was right. What, what Snoopy was getting at, and Charles Schultz who wrote it, um, that what they were getting at was, don't push happiness over the cognitive horizon. Get ourselves into that into that loop and enjoy the present. So I think the wisdom of Snoopy is remarkable. Be who you are, know who you are, love it, and then just get on with it. That's what I'd say on a dreary Tuesday morning. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you very much, Sarah. I really, really appreciate it. There's there's a really lovely, well, I mean, there's a bunch of lovely comments come through, but uh, I love the one from Caroline, who, who pretty much the simple, simple feedback, but uh, a total breath, breath of fresh air. So good. Uh, and I think there's going to be an awful lot of people who resonate with that right now, as you can probably see through the chat feature right now. Uh, one from James Brown. Too fast. I can't read that fast. <laughs> the one from James Brown is making me smile though, because he says, what a brilliant fucking human you are. Uh, <laughs> which is a nice way to start a Tuesday. <laughs> That's a lovely way for me to start my Tuesday. Thank you. Spot on. Absolutely spot on. Uh, thank you all. Uh, thank you. And, and thank you everyone for the lovely comments coming through. Uh, we do have a bunch of open questions right now. Um, if you see any that you like, give them a thumbs up. They're found in the Q&A feature. Or if you don't see the one that you want asking, uh, make sure to uh, get them into the Q&A so, uh, so we can ask them for you. Um, 
Thank you very much, Sarah. Um, I, I just wanted to repeat a quote, uh, which was a flywheel of joy, um, which I think if we can all get on that flywheel, it sounds pretty bloody amazing. So um, awesome. I, I want to take the questions from the community. And the first one comes from the impossibly lovely uh, Sophie Blackmore, uh, who has, I don't know whether she's stitched me up uh, <laughs> with how she's chosen, chosen to uh, write the question, but I'm going to ask it as she's written it, which is any tips for how to help others focus more on their sparkly bits? Um, look, I totally understand that it's, and, I'm, I'm, and I do want to come to the, the point that I've just noticed that uh, earlier on that um, James made about, you know, you can't, don't let this translate into people being blamed for feeling unhappy. And then, you know, and th th these are all related. Because absolutely right. If you get, you know, if you can't, if you can't get to your sparkly bits on your own, it's not like this is your fault. Um, let's go there in a minute. Um, how do you, I, I think that the, um, I think that a lot of us, myself included, can get kind of caught up in the right here, right now. And all of this stuff needs a bit of time and a bit of space. And we do have to prioritise it for ourselves, right? And it, sometimes you'll have a really supportive line manager. You know, you can go to your line manager. And this isn't just a work thing, right? This is a life thing. But, you know, you can go to your line manager and say, I want to do some feedback and I want to do some stuff on my super strengths. And some of them will go, brilliant. And others will go, what are you talking about? Here's the to-do list. And I fully, you know, if you if you're lucky, you're lucky, and if you're not, you're not. But if you if you're not lucky, then it's about carving out some space to do it for yourself anyway. And so, to me, how do you focus on your sparkly bits? Is you've got to if you want to do it, you've got you've got to want to do it. And if you do want to do it, then you've got to get that feedback and get that clarity over what is it that really makes me happy. And then you know write it down and stick it somewhere or you know it's um what i what i i guess the, the sort of top tips are if you start if you if you if if anything's a secret it's easy for it to wither if you start talking about it if you start normalizing the language if you start saying you know like um a buddy of mine well so you know sherilyn mm -hmm. so uh sherilyn who runs the marketing academy she uh decided that she needed to lose quite a lot of weight. She needed to lose a hundred pounds. Yeah. And she decided that the only way she was going to do that was give herself a hundred weeks to lose a hundred pounds and start a blog. <laughs> and before you know where you are, you've got several hundred people expecting an update on what you weigh every week. Mm -hmm. And whether they were expecting it in that kind of slightly censorious way or not is irrelevant. Yeah. She had a she had a public commitment now brilliant right so to me like get some get some like-minded people get some friends start talking about this kind of stuff don't do it on your own and um, and as soon as you start verbalizing it it starts to stick it starts to become real um at nando's we used to have a phrase and we kind of still do but we used to have a phrase uh, that come we're a privately owned business and uh, our owner robbie he likes he loves nothing better than what he calls a bit of scrumming and that means a conversation where you take different held you know lightly held views but you know lightly held strongly articulated views and it's quite a sort of and i joined i didn't like that word so i, I never call it scrumming 
because I think it's a bit aggressive and da, da, da. so I started calling it noodling I used to say um Robbie can we just spend a bit of time noodling on loyalty or can can, can I can I can I noodle with you for a bit noodling has but he he thinks it's a fun word he started using it everyone started using it no one does scrumming anymore everyone does noodling it's the same thing but people don't half the people don't walk into the room ready for a punch-up and the other half don't walk into the room feeling a bit scared start normalizing the language and then it really helps right but you've got to get the feedback um and try it on for size you know i think my super strength is you know whatever great just start using it start talking about it and see what reaction you get and then to focus on your sparkly bits then it's about right how does this match with what i spend my time doing because if i get to do a bit of this every day Happy day. You never spend all day doing the fun stuff, right? You still have to do budgets or you still have whatever the bit is that you don't. We all have to do that. But if there's enough of the good stuff, brilliant. And if you can see a way to do more of the good stuff, can I get on a project? Can I work on an action group? Can I do, can I take a lead on that thing? Mm-hmm. But if you've got them in your mind, then they start to come true. If they've got, got them in a drawer, they don't. That was very long-winded. Sorry. No, I'm very, very happy with long-winded. I think that's that's great. You know, thank you. And I, I think there's there's a question here from Kelsey, which sort of loops into what you were saying at the end uh, there, which was, you know, you're not going to be able to spend all of your time doing the thing that makes you sparkle. Um, but Kelsey's question is, what if your feedback is saying uh, stuff that doesn't align with what you feel is your sparkle? You know. Yeah, yeah. If your feedback really- says you're great at this, and you go, I hate that yeah well yes but on yeah absolutely well well done for being good at something you don't enjoy i mean you know seriously but i would put i would put that in the camp of i oh i i think there's two things either it's it's something i've managed to turn my hand to mm-hmm. which just shows wow well done but that's probably not where you want to spend the next 30 40 years of your working life mm-hmm. or there's something more in there and maybe think about this from an you know you're garnering you're gathering insight aren't you just like you would for an insight project so maybe part of this is what would we do with insight we'd ask why about five times before we got something real mm-hmm. so maybe do the same thing so if you get a piece of surprising feedback like oh i didn't realize you thought let's just scratch at that a bit more so what is that and maybe you ask yourself why as much as other people but why is it that you do it? so people say to me like, oh yeah you did good speeches right fine um that's not my super strength so what is it about that that's interesting what is it about and why is that important and why is that impactful and why could that so i think you've got to go further because there might be surprising feedback on the outside but actually especially if it's coming from lots of places it's something you're doing a lot it might not be on the surface the thing you love but there's some there, there could be something underneath it you go ah okay and that takes me in a different direction but don't let the feedback dictate what you think you should have as a super strength. Your super strength has got to feel, you've got to try it on and immediately go, oh, it fits, it fits perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a bit scratchy and itchy, it's not. Yeah, And I guess that feed, that loops into your thought about um, success does not breed happiness. It's happiness that breeds success. So in, in that search, you are searching for the happy place, right? Exactly. I chose entirely the wrong degree course. I should never have done engineering, but I did it because everyone told me I was really good at maths and physics. Mm-hmm. 
I should have done some biology or psychology or something that I, I, I was fascinated, or maybe languages. I should have done the things I was interested in, but I didn't have the confidence to do the things I loved. I did the thing everyone told me I was good at, mm. and I had four miserable years. Yeah, that's huge, though. That's so huge. Uh, you know, I love that. I think that's such an important point, though, you know, and, and thank you for putting it that way as well, because I think that, you know, for me at least, that really landed there. That, that was um, that was a really nice way to verbalise it. I want to take a question from... Uh, Gareth to sort of change tracks a little bit from our friend Gareth, uh, who asks, uh, uh, when your values and skills aren't aligned to the organization one is in, uh, like in the example you shared at Sainsbury's, is it time to move on or do you persevere to find something else? Um, there's a danger of being a twat when you answer this question. <laughs> I think, I think Prince Harry only this morning in my bid to not listen to the news, uh, on the 15 minute school run, I on the way back, I had the news on. Apparently Prince Harry's been talking about people who are brave to quit jobs and stuff. And it's like, brilliant, you've got 30 million quid in the bank. Um, for the avoidance of doubt, I don't have 30 million quid in the bank. <laughs> um, but uh, I, yeah, what, I'm, what, I, what I will never do is go, oh, get on your idealist high horse and leave. And of course, I'm not gonna say that, right? I think that um, I think that that a real awareness of what 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 who am I and what's important to me and how is that fitting or not with with the life I'm living because it's not just at work is really important and to hold that all the time but they'll never perfectly align you know. There are some cultures that I've worked in where I where I arrive and I go, I feel like I've come home. Mm. And there are others where I go, or oh, I feel like I've come home and that's great. And then things change and it feels less comfortable. So it's one of the contributing factors. I would never stand up to anyone and say, you must immediately leave if it's not working. Mm. You know, resilience is a thing that we need to build to. And what I if I'm if I don't like things about a culture where I'm working, well, there's a few things you can do. Right, you can make your own little ecosystem of the bit that you are in, and you know, and then you hope that it rubs off on others. If you don't like the way your colleagues are leading, well, don't moan at them. Just do a really great job, and their people will suddenly want to work in your team, and suddenly change will start to happen. Discuss, maybe, maybe not. You know, I'd give that a go before having a hissy fit and walking out. I'm not suggesting you would have a hissy fit. <laughs> so, you know, so no, I'm not going to go all idealist on this. I think that's a bit daft. Mm -hmm. But I do think that it's it's one of the factors where you get to where am I in life? And and then you know, there, there is another sort of related point here, which is about how much we choose to emotionally invest and engage in our jobs. And certainly in the past, I have definitely been guilty of over-investing and, um, and that's un unhealthy. Hmm. Interesting. Why, why is that unhealthy? Because what, 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 there'll be a lot of people on the call, presumably, who will be freelancers or run their own companies as, well, as much as there are sort of folks who work for other companies as well. You know, why does that feel unhealthy to you? I think... Um, I think that's a great that's a that's a great clarification. I think uh, over investing when you are employed mm -hmm. 
uh, you know, over committing, over investing, you're giving too much. At that point, I think you're setting yourself up for some kind of disappointment. Mm-hmm. I think it's very different uh, if you're self-employed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still really important to value your own time properly. Yeah. I've only consulted sporadically in, you know, in between other things. You know, I've never left job A and know what job B is going to be. So I always do a bit of something in between. I'm, I'm hopeless. I'm utterly hopeless. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I charge a big day rate. Yeah. And then I work 24 hours of it. I'm not quite, but you know what I mean? I'm absolutely, I could not, I don't have the discipline to be self-employed. I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So I have immense respect for those who do. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's, um, it's one of those things I, I spent a lot of time trying to seek for, um, to get consistent six out of 10 days, you know, and, and sort of like sort of turn up to work and, and sort of like be six out of 10 every day um, since I you know, started going full time on the marketing meetup. And this isn't advice. This is just how I've coped with it, which is actually I've realized that I usually have 10 out of 10 days or two out of 10 days. And most for the most part, it's 10 out of 10 days. Um, but I just need to accept that two out of 10 days is part of my life um, because six out of 10 actually sounds like quite a dull place to be in for me. You know, so it's not advice. Uh, don't take it for yourselves. But certainly, you know, that's the way that I've chosen to rationalize being um you know so invested in a company or so invested in a community you know like this so um so yeah. and if you are working in an organization not for yourself mm. remember however wonderful the culture is and i've worked in some incredible cultures i've worked for private equity i've done you know a few different things but however wonderful the culture is ultimately and however amazing your boss is ultimately a business is hardwired mm to get as much value out of all its assets as possible. Mm. It's not malicious. That's just what a business does, is it tries to get as much value out. And so the only person who can regulate your effort is you. Absolutely. Actually, if you expect someone else to do it, then then you're in a sort of parent-child relationship with, with your organisation or your line manager, and that's not very good. Mm. So for me, that's the, that's the point. I've, I've spent a long time, and I'm still not there. I, over, I wildly overcommit. I believe that you know I, I I need to work on the time machine project in the shed because. <laughs> well, actually, speaking of that, and so you said that your your journey to sort of uh, I don't want to overgrandize it, but you know self discovery and and your journey to sort of discovering uh, knowing who you are and, and loving what you do started around thirty. I, I don't expect that you to sort of generalize your experience to everyone else, but what questions did you start asking yourself at that point? Was it the questions of you know what do I love? Um, what do I enjoy? What am I good at? What are the super strengths? Or, or was there something else? Yeah. But, so, um, so I had a few clues in my 20s. Um, I resigned from Unilever in a half and then realised that was a really stupid idea. And I had to suffer the absolute indignity, self-inflicted, of unresigning and going around and eating humble pie. And I, I ate a lot of humble pie. And I was incredibly lucky that they let me stay because... Um, I'd had three months notice and I'd, I'd done two months, three weeks and two days. It's the last Wednesday and I suddenly realised, oh shit, I've made a mistake. This is a disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I had to go see the marketing director and go, uh, I've been a dick. Any chance for my job back? Yeah. Um, but and I had been a total dick. I'd been, I'd been going around built, burning bridges left, right and centre because I was leaving. I didn't, yeah, I'd been building bridges purely so I could burn them. I mean, I was an absolute pirate. 
I was a terrorist. And um, so that was a clue, right? And so there was a lot in there that I needed to think about. Um, and you know, it's, it's when things go wrong that you stop and think, isn't it? So I would encourage you to think when things are going well as well. Um, and so I think there's sort of a few moments of, oh, that was a bit dickish, that was a bit dickish. And then when, um, and then when uh, yeah, I guess it was probably about 30. Um, you see, I, we went to live in Australia and we came back and we were like, okay, what do I, what do I actually want to do with my life? And just going up that sort of straight path just didn't do it for me. And I started to realise that I don't need to do things because other people expect me to. Mm-hmm. I need to do things that I want to do. Um, you know, notwithstanding responsibilities, I'm the only breadwinner. I can't take the piss and just sort of skip around and make beads on a beach. But <laughs> I, much as I'd like to. <laughs> I think it was a moment of, yeah, around, around the, yeah, the trigger for me was, I suddenly realised I was doing things because other people expected to meet me to, and I didn't know who these other people were. Mm. I'm still plagued by that. I'm still plagued by the fact that, you know, I've been a CEO and now I'm not. So what does that say to the world? Whoever the fuck's watching, get over yourself, Sarah. No one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what it says is that I didn't do a very good job as a CEO. That's what it says to someone who doesn't know why I quit being a CEO, which is different and was that didn't work for the family because I was living away from home. But what my CV says is, oh, didn't work out, went back to what she knows best. I had to live with that and I'm okay with it. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's really important. You know, there's there's a lot of comfort that I think you've offered people there. Um, let's let's take some questions. I appreciate that you've got you've got to go at nine thirty sharp, uh, probably nine twenty nine. Uh, so let's take some questions from the community, and, and there's a bunch of them. Uh, there's also a really really interesting chat going on in the chat feature. Um, the thing that I would encourage folks to do is make sure we switch it to uh, everyone because like there's a couple of really lovely comments that have come through that only uh, Sarah and I can see. So you just need to find the blue tab and where it says to, uh, rather than saying to host and panelists, it's to everyone so everyone can see your your stuff come through. Uh, so the question uh, that is top in, in the Q&A right now is from uh, Dan. Uh, Dan says, uh, my career history probably looks more sporadic than yours. Uh, what's the best way to explain the strengths of that to potential employers? Oh, great question. <laughs> well, first up, remember that, uh, and this comes from Odgers Bernstein, not from my made up shit. Um, Jane Dessar at Odgers told me that she reckons that one five, 15% of the jobs go through a search firm. Interesting. So 85% of them go elsewhere. <laughs> so just get to know other people. But, you know, like, I think I've, I've, I've got a job through a search firm once. I think. Yep. Didn't Heineken was direct. Sainsbury's was direct. Sainsbury's, I just wrote to Justin King and said, give me a job. I mean, bananas, right? <laughs> um, I still can't quite believe that. I pulled, I pulled up with it. He did that. He's, he's, <laughs> clear, he's clearly in mental. Um, so, I, so just have that in mind, right? The headhunters are important. You need to know them. You need to network them. Da, da, da. We can talk about networking in a minute. But they're not the only way to an interesting, meaningful life. And of course, if, if their whole market is only 15% of the available jobs, each one of them is probably one or 2%, right? Hello. 
Um, so, and yeah, they're all state agents for human trafficking anyway. So um, I think that, uh, I think that cultivating relationships so people get to understand your story and being able, and knowing what your amazing strengths are so that you can say them really fast, right? So, and, and you can tailor that, that speech really fast to the, so for some people, I don't talk about getting the best out of others. I talk about how I've worked in every ownership structure and I've worked in every sort of, and in a, in a variety of markets. I start to use their language, not mine, verticals, whatever the fuck, you know, all those words that people use when they leave their real brains at home and start to talk like business people. Um, you know, for me, this is a, I know how to grow businesses. That's what I do for you. Um, you know, I work out what people want. I work out what people pay money for. I work out what we can profitably provide. And then I create demand for the bit that overlaps in the middle. Yeah. And I can do that in big, big companies, little companies. So the benefit of my slightly odd career is that I'm adaptable. Mm -hmm. There you go. Fine. So work out how to encapsulate it um, in service to what you want to get to do next. Yeah. No, I, I love that. You know, I mean, to 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 give a real you know a, a, an example of only two weeks ago or two or three weeks ago, the person we hired for the marketing meetup, we didn't ask them about what they did. You know, we asked them who they are. <laughs> you know, and 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 mm -hmm. it feels like more people are coming around to that well, that way of thinking. And, and certainly, there's. And the danger of sounding like a marketeer, think about it like a comms brief, mm. you know, and what you've done is the reasons to believe, not the message. Yes. Nice. I like that. Cool. I'm only going to of that. I'm quite pleased with that. <laughs> Congratulations. It's not bad for 9.25 on Tuesday morning, so I like it. <laughs> uh, there's a question from Charlotte that actually loops into to what you were sort of saying there, which is uh, when you joined Nando's, how quickly did you bring your sparkle out and help under people help other people understand it quickly? You know, did did you actually go in and sort of give the presentation and say, "This is me," or did you sort of was it more? Nando's is a very very unusual place. It is a very psychologically mature place. It's the sort of place we start meetings with what we call a check in, where everyone talks about how they're showing up today and why. Nice. Um, so, I talked about it in my in my first interview. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I knew I could. I just got the vibe that I could. Um, it's always dangerous, right? If you say my super strength is getting the best out of other people, you can then very quickly demonstrate that that's bollocks, <laughs> right? You can really, you're setting yourself, you're setting a high bar. So to me, it was great, right? I, yes, I did. In my first, when I got the whole team together, it's not an enormous team, but when I got the team together, um, I said, look, I don't want to do a load of self-indulgent claptrap about, you know, here's me. I was born in Cardiff but I want to tell you the things that are important to me. Mm -hmm. So those charts that were in the Nando's font, they were the slides I used with my team. Okay. That, that seems important though as well. So we did an exercise with the, the living leader. So we had Penny Ferguson speak a long time ago with um, uh, Catherine Newman from Manchester United. And, and, and something that okay. we did on the living leader program was to do something called an introduction. So we were to, you know, and, and it is about creating a safe place. You know, it probably won't work everywhere but certainly um places which do feel safe uh, psychologically safe um we sat down and, and there were five people in the room plus Sherilyn actually and uh Sherilyn sat at the front of the room and, and set the agenda by introducing herself for some half an hour telling people her story you know it, it might have been the self-indulgent stuff that you were speaking about a moment ago but actually it felt important 
And uh, we then subsequently went around the room and, and sort of went through this process of introducing ourselves in a similar manner. Introductions with six people in the room took like three and a half hours. It was ridiculous. But it was also an exercise which, you know, brought us closer together as a group. And I think it's also one that can be done again and again, um, but also done retrospectively. You don't need to be new people in a room. You can sort of come together and say, this is me, you know, and, and whether it's people you've been working together with for three to five years, um, you can do it as explicitly as that. Or you can also show it over the course of time with, with a series of actions. That's really nice. It's really, it takes a bit of courage to do it. Because I'm always like, oh, I'm not that interesting. You don't really want to talk about me. Yeah. That's, you know, um, that's one of the things that I'm, I will be working on until I die. And, and similarly, I'm not really good at going, right, around the, LT, the leadership team, I'm going to talk about our work. I'm, I love showing off what the team have done, but that's slightly different rather than going, right, I need, I need you to all engage in some of this customer thinking now. Mm. I always sort of have a, maybe the other things are possible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're not. No, of course they're not. Of course they're not. And and that's the thing. Everyone thinks that, or most people think that about themselves. And then if you have that thing where, oh no, I'm not important. No, I'm not important. You know, then everyone thinks their thing's not important. It's all important. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Um, it's nine twenty nine, and I know you've got to go. So uh, I'm going to say Sorry. thank you so much, Sarah. Um, there's some really, really lovely uh, chat comments coming through again uh, to, to say thank you to you. Also, thank you so much to everyone who tuned in this morning as well and made that chat feature just so, so perfect, like looking after each other, listening, sharing, saying hello, being positively lovely. It's um, honestly just so heartwarming every week. I absolutely love it. So thank you all so, so much. Please do take the time to uh, say thank you to the folks at Brand Recruitment. That's my one ask every week for our various sponsors. Um, and, you know, thank you, Sarah. Thank you, everyone. Uh, we've got the last webinar of this season next Tuesday. It's at two o'clock. I hope you can make it and uh, we'll see you soon. So take care, everyone. Have a great day. Thank you. 